in-depth and God-filled conversations with some of the brightest names in contemporary Christian music and worship. This is The Artist Interview with Gordon T. And welcome to this week's episode of The Artist Interview. I'm your host, Gordon T, and it's my privilege and pleasure to scale the world of contemporary Christian music and worship to bring to you well, some of the most talented people with amazing stories and wonderful music to share. And you know what? This week we've got somebody, and we've had a few people along these lines with careers that span a, a decent amount of time. And not only have they done some Christian music, but they've also been successful in other fields as well and blessed many people along the way. And boy, oh boy, has this guy got a testimony and a story to share because it's none other than Jay Demarcus from Rascal Flats. But before we chat with him, let's hear the first track, Bless the Broken Road. That every long lost dream led me to where you are. Others who broke my heart, they were like northern stars, pointing me on my way into your loving arms. This much I know. That God blessed the broken road that led me straight to you. Yes, it did. And that was Bless the Broken Road by Rascal Flats. Hey, Jay, how you doing? Oh, I'm doing fantastic, Gordon. Thanks for having me, buddy. It's, it's a real pleasure to have you on the show and thank you so much for making time. I tell you what, so the UK, country music, perhaps not as big as it is in the States. I'll be honest with you, and I think I'm beginning to become a convert. More and more people have been playing country music to me and I've gone, yeah, it's actually pretty good. I like it now. So I'm, so I'm glad I can say that with an honest heart because otherwise I, this would be getting off on the wrong foot straight away because you have been part of what, is arguably one of one of the biggest country country pop uh, bands out there. Rascal Flatts, huge success. I'd love to hear all about that journey. Sure. But can you rewind time to really how it all started off? You, music, you and Jesus. Tell tell us your history, my friend. Yeah. So um, first of all, everything sounds way more important in a British accent. I have to tell you that it has levity <laughs> so much. Uh, but it's. Um, you know, I was surrounded by music um, pretty much right out of the womb. My my whole family was musical. My mother and my father were both musicians. My mom, in fact, won a contest and won Country Music Queen of Ohio in 1969 and got a recording contract with Decca Records. So I was pretty much surrounded by it at an early age. My dad was a hippie from the, from the 60s, and he was a rock and roller, and he loved country music. He loved bluegrass, a very well-rounded musician. So I was exposed to a lot of different types of music early on. My mother at the same time, she was a good old church going woman and she drug us to church about three or four times a week. So my dad was playing wow. clubs and bars on the weekends and on Sunday morning, uh, my mom was dragging us to church and I was exposed to Christian music and gospel music. And so very early on in my childhood, I gave my heart to the Lord and became a Christian. And I really, really discovered the wonderful music of the late seventies and the eighties, uh, Christian CCM, the early um, incarnations of that kind of music uh, where my mom was really strict with me. Like I couldn't listen to bands like Kiss and ACDC and, you know, Leonard, Leonard Skinner and those bands that, that my dad loved. My mom was very much um, 
vigilant about uh, monitoring my music intake and what I was listening to. So I found alternatives in bands like, you know, uh, Whiteheart and Petra and Mylon Lefevre and some of the early Christian rock that was out there. And I quickly fell in love with that music and not only the music, but the message, of course, that it carried to the hope that we find in a life through Christ. And so I, right out of college, was part of a Christian duo called East to West that was on Benson Records. We had, I believe, six number ones, some Dove Award nominations, won a couple of Dove Awards. So I, I, I have I have watched some videos of, of that band. It looked like a okay. yeah, it looked like a whole bundle of fun, that's for sure. Doing doing some concerts. You can find it on YouTube. It's definitely worth going look. East to West, Jay Demarcus. You'll see some great stuff from uh, the stuff. It was probably 1994. So, so going, going yeah. back in time, yeah. amazing, amazing. Yeah, well, thank you. We lasted for about almost four years, and um, that band ended up falling apart. And so I started to really, really dive into some other um, forms of music that I had always enjoyed, and I grew up listening to country music, and I had a great affinity for it. I listened to the Grand Ole Opry with my grandfather uh, every Friday night. Uh, so... I really had a deep love for country music. There were other things that it allowed me to write about, life experiences, and also my faith at the same time. And so, um, you know, life took different twists and turns for me, and my cousin ended up moving to town, who is Gary LaVox, the lead singer in, in uh, Rascal Flats. He lived on my couch for about six months, and we kept playing around town, and one thing led to another, and we got a record deal. And it was just one of those, uh, another one of those, moments in my life where God uh, opened the doors for me and sort of led me to where he needed me to be and wanted me to be. And and I learned a lot of lessons leading up to Rascal Flats that I that I uh, am great, was very grateful for at the time, because having been in, in another band and learning sometimes the hard way of what not to do, it was great to take that experience into Rascal Flats and sort of use that and use that experience to avoid some of the falls that we had uh, early in, in my other band with East to West. So Rascal Flats was, it has been and continues to be one of the biggest blessings in my and my family's life. I'm very grateful for it. And I'm also grateful that I found two other guys that were like-minded and also shared the same faith that I did and were believers. And we happen to be believers in a country band. So what we did was we always tried to sneak our faith in somehow or another. And God Bless the Broken Road is one of those songs that we definitely deliberately sang and put out there, uh, not only as a testament to the fact that God can take anything broken and make it whole again, but also that he can take your broken road and lead you to where you finally uh, meant to be, are meant to be in spite of your inadequacies, in spite of your mistakes, in spite of your flaws as a human being, uh, God takes the broken and makes it beautiful again. And that was our way of, of telling that message without beating people over the head with the gospel. And that's one of the things that continues to be and has been so fun about being in Rascal Flats is that uh, a pastor friend of mine said it best one time, I love going to a Flats show because people are out there partying, drinking their beers and having a great time and singing along to every word. And when they leave there, uh, very few of them realize that they've heard the gospel. So... I've always loved that aspect of what we do. Yeah, it's just put, it's putting goodness and truth in their hearts yeah. without without bashing them with the Bible. Absolutely. Uh, can you just tell us a little bit about some of the highlights of being in Rascal Flats and also some of the things that didn't go as you might have wanted? 
Yeah, well, uh, the highlights for me are, you know, some of the fun things that we got to do, is be, like being a part of the movie Cars uh, with Life as a Highway. We never saw what that song was going to do. We we thought it'd be a cool movie, but it blew up and became one of the biggest movies, uh, you know, of that probably that decade in the early 2000s. And that song really blew up for us. And so I'm always grateful that we were the ones to be able to redo that Tom Cochran song and um, obviously becoming members of the Grand Ole Opry in 2011 was a huge highlight for me cause, because I used to take my summer vacations with my families to Nashville. So to be, um, you know, to have been in the nosebleed seats and watched so many shows there at the Grand Ole Opry and then be a member and be on that stage with all the legends that have shared that stage throughout the years is certainly a career highlight for me. And then to be at the Grammys and, and sit there and hear your name announced for song of the year with, uh, you know, what hurts the most was, was a huge milestone for me. And there's so many things I could point to that are, that have been huge blessings, but probably one of the biggest things I'm most proud of is our work with the Vanderbilt children's hospital right here in, in Nashville. And in 2009, they rechristened the surgery center, the rascal flats surgery center because of our work with them. And, you know, through our career and our blessings, we've been able to give, uh, nearly $6 million to that wonderful hospital and the folks over there. So uh, our partnership with them has just been one of the biggest blessings in my life. And I think that, you know, I've been uh, probably more blessed by being around them than they have being around us. So it's it's been a wonderful, miraculous thing to be a part of. And, you know, some of the... wow. Some of the things that didn't go the way we planned, obviously, I think I could point immediately to the pandemic. We were supposed to, you know, have a farewell tour in 2020 and the pandemic ruined a lot of things for a lot of people, not just us. But, you know, we felt kind of like we were robbed there not being able to uh, give uh, Rascal Flats the honorable uh, goodbye that it deserved and that our fans deserve. So, you know, I'll always... Um, I'm still probably mourning that a little bit, to be quite honest, to not be able to go out one last time on one last tour and see our fans again. Um, I know for me, uh, it's something that feels unresolved, and I hope, good Lord willing, one day we'll be able to uh, give it its proper goodbye. Oh, that, I was going to ask that. Do you think there is hope? Because in 2021, that's when officially the flats ended. So, so in 2023 now, so it's over two years ago, but in the back of your mind, you're hoping that at some stage in the future, the flats might go to do a farewell tour. Am I hearing that right? You, you know, I never say never because I learned a long time ago that as soon as I do that, God has a funny way of showing up and showing me that I was wrong. So uh, I always leave the door open for that. I love those guys. We're all three on different pages right now in different seasons of our lives. And it, there's nothing bad. We love each other and support each other. But we didn't spend... Uh, the majority of our adult lives together. So there are other things I think that the three of us have been longing to do and wanting to do before we get too old to do them. So I think that once we get some of that out of our system and, and, uh, and we chase some of the things individually that we wanted to do uh, the good Lord willing, I hope that it comes back around and we're, we're able to do just that. Oh, okay. That's something to look forward to. Any chance you might also pop over to the UK at that point? 
I would love to come back to the UK. Uh, you were talking about the popularity of country music over there. And, uh, I've been over there a few times, and every time I go back, it seems that the popularity of country music is growing uh, exponentially more and more and more. So I really love to see its popularity growing over there. We've had, every time we've played over there, wonderful fans show up and and give us all the love in the world for our music and what it's meant to them. So Yes, I would very much love to come back over and play for our UK fans, for sure. How cool would that be? That would be fantastic. The song we played, Bless the Broken Road. Now, often when people write songs which are just such great tracks, there's a story behind it. And when you're talking about the road being broken, but then God making us heal, is that something that you've experienced in your own life? And you talked about your, your mum taking you to church from when you were very little and making a commitment there. Are there things that got messy which God changed around and, and brought beauty from yeah there's a uh, you know I, I wrote a book called shotgun angels that came out in uh, 2018 that sort of tracked my life story and on all of the dark times that happened to me early on when i was a young man here in nashville um you know quite honestly our band east to west ended up breaking up because i i got a girlfriend pregnant at the time out of wedlock and that was something that the church and christian music frowned upon um uh, and so I kind of felt like I screwed everything up that the Lord had for me. And one of the biggest blessings at that point in my time, I feel like I kind of destroyed and kind of destroyed his will for my life at that time. And uh, so I went through a lot of darkness, a lot of second guessing and wondering and questioning and questioning my faith because I knew that I had messed up. But everybody around me that called themselves Christians that were on my team or part of my team or in my corner seemed to just scatter and abandon me when I needed some help and I needed some love and support the most. And so I learned a lot about who my true friends were. And most importantly, I learned the true meaning of grace and what it meant in my life. And instead of it just being something that I said and something that I regurgitated because I learned it in church, it became very, very real to me. And it became a real lifeline to me because I would I went through some desperate times. Uh, I considered moving back home and sort of throwing in the towel on a music career. And slowly but surely, God started to put these shotgun angels in my path when I would least expect it. And these people that would come along and give me an ounce of hope here and give me a a, a thread of, of of joy when I needed it and, a, and an ounce of encouragement when I needed it. So he proved himself to be more real to me through the times that I wasn't actively serving him in some kind of ministry than I ever dreamed he could be. And so I've shouted it from the mountaintops as, as many times and as much as I can that we all get to points in our lives where we feel like giving up. I don't know a human being yet that hasn't messed up and gotten to where they seem like they, that they feel like they're on the bottom. And those are the times I believe that we discover the 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 realness of God and who He can be as a Savior in our lives. Um, we a lot of people are exposed to Christianity. A lot of people are exposed to the church, but really know what it means to have salvation and to be saved. And that was the time in my life that I discovered a real Savior that cared about my very real problems and my very real heartbreak. And I am grateful now, looking back on that time that uh that i went through that because i needed for him to clean up some stuff and to get rid of some stuff and to prepare me for what lay ahead with the life in the flats wow gosh 
Thank you for sharing. You know, I, I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna bet lots of people can relate in some way to making a mistake. Uh, obviously, it sounds like yours was a big mistake. Um, that's consequences. But it, you know, the grace of God. Jesus Jesus didn't run away from sinners. He he ran to yeah. sinners. So the grace and the mercy of God absolutely available to to overcome our mistakes. Um, if you're listening at home, I just hope that that story has given you um, some hope that whatever situations you might find yourself in, and I'm particularly, I think, interesting you mentioned about people in your own team running from you. Uh, I guess you've, you felt the judgment and they didn't want to be associated with you and all the rest of it. Uh, I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah. I, I mean, I certainly understood that there were consequences. I, I certainly understood that there were consequences for my actions and I, and I accepted that, but I was really shocked that the people that had been on the ride with me up to the success of Rascal Fl or uh, East to West had sort of all of a sudden washed their hands of me. Mm. And I was like, wow, this is, sometimes I feel like as Christians, we, we make the tragic mistake of killing our wounded instead of picking them up and dusting them off and, trying to nurse him back to health. And I saw it happen to a dear friend of mine, Michael English, early on, when he had a very public affair and had, was one of the biggest Christian artists in the world at that point in time. And man, everybody abandoned him. And I witnessed it and I saw it. And then I lived through it in my own way. And so Michael and Ed, I became very dear friends. Um, we we um, connected on so many levels because of our personal experiences there. So. I, uh, I, I think we've gotten better uh, overall since then. But, you know, uh, back in the early 90s and mid 90s, it was easy to just sort of uh, brush things that were uncomfortable under the rug and not address them, you know, yeah. instead of being being the kind of people that that loved in spite of the mistakes and, and in, in spite of the brokenness, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Just for sake of clarity and listening at home. We, Jay and I are not sitting here going, the grace of God gives you a license just to do whatever you like. That's not what we're saying. Oh, no. We, but we are no, saying God's love is big enough to overcome and to bring his grace and forgiveness and mercy and to draw us back to relationship with him, no matter what we've done. So I think, is that fair to say, Jay? That's, that hits it right on the head. I would, I would never in, in this world say that the grace is just a free card to, to do and, and act however you want to. Uh, you, you're absolutely right about that. So, and for people at home, I would say, if, you, if you've given up on church because you've been hurt and, and felt judged because of stuff from your past, and you, you're wanting that stuff from the past to be dealt with by God, I just encourage you to get, get back to a different church. Find a church where they'll love you and help you re-encounter more of God's faithfulness, kindness, and patience and grace. He's always, he's always pouring it out on me, so it's available to you, I guarantee it. Uh, so, okay, you know what, interestingly, you're, you're a multi-talented musician. I know. How many instruments do you play, Jay? You know, I, I, I don't... I play a bunch of different instruments for the sheer fact that I lived in one of those families to where we had a lot of instruments laying around and we would all get together on the weekends and sort of play and sing. So you had to pick something up and learn how to play something on it. And my, my dad played a lot of instruments. He played guitar and uh, piano and, and bass and a little bit of drums. And so I started out playing drums I got bored a little bit because I realized I couldn't really write songs sitting behind a drum kit. So I needed to learn something melodic. I started playing piano. My dad showed me a few things on piano and the best gift he gave me was learning how to play by ear, listening to the radio and then translating that to the 
the piano and finding the chords and finding the melodies and sort of picking it out myself. So I, I, I did that. Then I got really into the guitar. My, my, my grandpa played really great guitar, dobro and banjo. So I, I, I played a whole different hodgepodge of things. And, and when you're a producer, you sort of hear different parts and you pick up an instrument and you learn how to play a part that you hear and you sort of teach yourself how to do it. So, um, I play a lot of different things, probably not one thing uh, extraordinarily well, but I do love playing bass. I played bass in Rascal Flats, and I play a bunch of different sessions here around town, too. So I'm probably mainly a keyboard player or a bass player. Okay. So so multi-talented, is fair to say, because, because you also have a huge amount of success yeah. producing music as well. You mentioned the word producing in there. Um, who have you produced stuff for? Well, a lot of people don't uh, realize that I produced uh, Chicago 30 for the rock band Chicago. Chicago and that was a awesome. Uh, how cool is that? Yeah. Yeah, it was it was a dream come true for me because they were a band that I grew up idolizing and loving as a kid. I was a huge David Foster fan, and then I discovered the earlier Chicago stuff before my time and I really fell in love with the whole catalog, and they were heroes of mine. So to be able to produce a band that I loved as a kid was a dream come true for me. And I've, I've produced a ton of stuff for different Christian artists, Jason Crabb, um, the Martins, Michael English. I produced three records for him. Uh, won a Grammy with Jason Crabb for his unexpected record. Um, I've produced a ton of country stuff for obviously Rascal Flatts, um, Ronnie Dunn from Brooks and Dunn. I produced his solo record, uh, Jody Messina, uh, Gosh, I'm losing so many. Oh, Ryan Griffin produced his latest EP. So, I mean, it, there's. Um, I've been fortunate to work with a lot of talented artists over the years. Wow. Okay. So we've got another track to play from you, um, and the track's called "Good Morning Mercy." Having just been talking about God's mercy, "Good Morning Mercy" by Jason Crabb and uh, Dylan Scott. Um, tell us about this track. Why did you pick it? I picked that track because I, I was fortunate enough to write that song and produce it for Jason. And um, this particular version was such a joy for me. We cut it uh, at the end of last year. We went in the studio and cut it live. So it was really fun to have both singers on the floor at the same time and the band on the floor. And this is really one of those unique recordings. Nowadays, so often we get a band and we do do a track and we make sure it's perfect. We go back and put the singer on it and then we do with background vocals and then we mix it. We did all this at the same time. And so it was a real joy to go in with these two wonderfully gifted singers and, and come out with this particular cut. So, um, and there's some footage, we filmed the whole thing. So it's really, really fun to watch on YouTube as well, the video as we're going down and actually recording it. That's, that's the real recording. So there are no studio tricks in this at all. What you hear is what you get. Good morning, mercy. I won't worry what tomorrow's gonna bring Cause you hold it all yeah. There in your hands I'm lifting mine up now Cause it makes me sing Good morning, mercy You call me worthy it Feels like the sun shining on my face Living's good this side of grace I feel 
was Good Morning Mercy by Jason Crabb and Dylan Scott. And I'm so pleased to say that Jay DeMarcus, uh, previously from Rascal Flats, is still with us here for the artist interview. Jay, thanks for all you've shared so honestly uh, in, in the first run up to this section. You know, this is the part where we get to pray for people and it would be wonderful if you're happy just to pray a, a blessing on people. Uh, just pray whatever you like, my friend. Dear Heavenly Father, I ask you, Lord, to um, reach out to the people that are listening right now. Let them know uh, that you're real. Let them feel your presence. And whatever they may be dealing with, whether it's hurt or happiness or brokenness or darkness or depression, I ask you to meet them like I know you do all the time where they are and meet their needs. Sometimes uh, we as humans come to points in our life where we don't understand and we question why things happen to us and why certain things are allowed to be. But I know in the end, and you've proven it to me so many times that you are a sovereign God and you are in control of all of it and all of it is in your hands. And I just pray that you meet these people right now where they are, put your loving arms around them, let them know that they are not alone and that you are a God that cares and loves them and accepts them just as they are. They do not have to be clean before they come to get cleaned up. I love you so much and I thank you for your work in my own life and I thank you for Gordon and what he's doing, uh, the wonderful work he's doing for your kingdom, God. Continue to bless him as well. We pray these things in your name and we give you the honor, the praise and the glory forever. Amen. Amen, amen. Thank you so much, Jay. You know, if you're listening in the UK and you're thinking, yeah, I would like to find a church, just pop on to www.findachurch.co.uk. There are many hundreds, thousands of out of churches that would love to welcome you and help you encounter God's amazing love. If you're listening on one of our partner stations worldwide, then simply contact the studio and ask them to recommend a really great church. I know they'd love to do that for you. So, Jay, here we are. It's 2023. Uh, summertime, in fact, we're recording this in July 2023, middle of July. Uh, the weather is very strange here in, in the UK. We're not doing too badly, but some places 47 degrees. Where, are you in Nashville at the moment? I am in Nashville, yes. So what, what, what's your temperature? Well, it actually cooled off this week. It has been uh, very, very hot. It's been in the upper 90s and into the, uh, you know, 100s uh, Celsius, you know. Uh, if Fahrenheit, Fahrenheit, Fahrenheit yes. not that, Celsius, that would be really uh, hot. And so, <laughs> how many degrees? How many degrees off is that? Are you guys like? Is it uh, oh. like if it's eighty degrees Fahrenheit here? What is that Celsius? Do you know? How does that? Do you know what translate? The only per the only person who knows that is Doctor Google. Uh, I I have I have no idea how to translate. Uh, you, well, 80, 80 Fahrenheit. Let's just say it's been hot here and it's been kind of the kind of heat that makes you glad that you love Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're around, I'm going to guess, if it is 80, a bit over 80. It's, that's like 27 degrees. I've just looked it up on them on Google and that's what it's told me. So, oh, so, wow. so if, that's, if that's 27 and we've got, wait a sec, I'm going to, I'm going to quickly translate to you what, what we've got around here. So not here personally, in, in sort of Europe, 47 degrees Celsius to Fahrenheit. That's what I need. The around here, yeah. I feel so British. Uh, One hundred and sixteen Fahrenheit. Oh my God, that is that's quite very, hot. very hot. So not it where is. I am. I'm fine. I've I've got I've got much less. I can't translate it. I have no so idea. 
I, I read somewhere in a headline that this these are record heat levels all around the globe. So I, it yeah. seems like that that article was correct. Do do you think global warming is a real thing? Well, I can't imagine that the planet has not gotten hotter with all that we've done to it and all that we keep adding to the uh, you know the atmosphere. So it would make sense to me that the planet is getting hotter, and certainly the temperature would dictate that over the past <laughs> month or so. <laughs> seems, sure. seems to be fair. Looking at the temperature, it's yeah. hard to go. Yeah, no, it's yeah. nice. It's definitely hot at the moment. That's for sure. Okay, so but it's so British for me to mention the weather. I feel I've achieved my Britishness now. Let's find out some important stuff. So you mentioned earlier on that one of the things with, with Flats Ending was because there are other things you guys wanted to pursue. So what's been sort of the things, maybe, maybe the three key things for yourself that you're pursuing over this time? Well, one of the things that I wanted to do was uh, I, I always envisioned envision myself being on the other side of the business at some point in, in, on the business side of things. And so I was very, very fortunate to find a wonderful business partner in Dan Crockett, a dear friend of mine who had uh, sold a company and recently retired and was looking to do something else uh, that was fun for him, something that was against type. He was a banker. He was in the banking business, the mortgage banking business. And so when I came to him with this idea of opening up a record label, he immediately was very supportive and jumped right in. And we started a company called Red Street Records. We have both a Christian division and a country division. And we've been open for uh, almost three years now. And it's just been a wonderful experience for me to be able to do uh, use a different side of my brain and use a different skill set than just being in the studio all the time, which I still love and I still live for. But it's been really great for me to find artists that I believe in, sign them and sort of pass whatever knowledge I have, having been in the business as long as I have on to them and sort of be a resource for them and, and let them give them all the tools to try to make their dreams come true as well. So it's been a huge blessing for me and very rewarding for me too to be a part of sort of passing the torch to the younger uh, crop of new artists coming up well that that is an exciting thing to be doing yeah now in fact that is how you come to be on the show because we interviewed uh, caleb josh and jordan ward who are consumed by fire we're going to hear a track from them in a little bit uh, and they were saying how wonderful you were and that, that you should come on the show because they, they 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 really obviously appreciate um just the support you are and all, all that you're doing they they wax lyrical is how we wow. would describe it so um so it's, it's wonderful yeah. when you've got a, a boss who perhaps has just got that much experience but also they the love and the warmth and championing them in that way so um clearly thing, things are going well red street records and are you planning to grow bigger or do you want to just stay with however many how many artists you got at the moment we've got four on the countryside and four on the christian side so we you know we're we're kind of um we're not looking at the moment but we're always looking if that makes sense so if something comes along that's undeniable and we we meet somebody that we, that's just so compelling that we have to try to sign them we will but right now we're sort of uh at a place to where thank god we've, we've got some really great artists that we believe in that are doing well for us and so we're we're at a good spot we're at a good place right now and i certainly love the consumed by fire boys there they are so wonderfully gifted more importantly their music is so anointed and touches so many people and i couldn't be more proud to be their their label home wow that's cool that's cool okay and so business-wise and ministry-wise 
Red Street Records, big big tick, going going well. I'm pleased to hear that. Yeah, thank you. That's one of three things. I asked for three things, so that one's good. Well, what's what's the second thing that God's put in your heart for this time? You know, I think I, I, I've always had this desire um, to make music that was my own. It, it's been wonderful to be a part of two different bands, um, East to West and, and Rascal Flats, obviously. It, it's been so wonderful but you know um there's there's something in a band where you're always um making compromises and you're always making concessions for the sake of the partnership and uh you know gary obviously sang the lion's share of our songs and i've always had this thing inside of me to sort of scratch an itch of making my own solo record and discovering that and so I've recently started at the end of last year writing again for my own record and writing for my own project, which won't sound anything like the flats because what I do apart from the flats is uniquely different. So I'm excited about people hearing a different side of me creatively and musically that they have never heard before. And so it's been fun for me to sort of explore that space and paint on that canvas that I've never really had the ability to do before. Okay, so you've got a bit of space and a bit of time to focus on. Is this something you are you mainly doing it because you just really want to express your own gift set, or is it also hopefully going to be something that's going to be big and commercial and you might actually go out on the road with it? Or what's your plan on that? Yeah, I think a little bit of both. I I I want to I want to get it out of my system. There are songs that I've written that I believe in, and for whatever reason, the flats didn't cut or wasn't right for a record we had done. So I've been holding on to a bunch of songs for a while that I really, really love and believe in and, and sort of want to put out there in the ethos. And I also would love to do, you know, I've always had this this thing in the back of my mind that I could go out and sort of do an evening with Jay DeMarcus and sort of tell a little bit of my life story and encourage people a little bit and sort of take them through the journey of what got me to this point while interspersing some of my music and some of the Flats music in there along the way too. So I would love to eventually get out there and sort of – um you know, see what makes sense. Uh, and so if the opportunity came came up to do some shows and to get out, take it out on the road a little bit, I certainly would welcome that. That would that would be cool. I guess for those people who don't quite yet understand how big Rascal Flats were, I think, I think in 2020 you hit 11 million concert ticket sales. Yeah. That's a crazy, crazy yeah. number of people. Yeah, I suppose I should ask... Is there like a, a moment from from when you have played a concert? If that's something you're thinking about in the future, you played concerts that you think you're just never going to forget. It's one of those moments that's unforgettable. Oh, sure. We were the first country band to uh, sell out Wrigley Field in Chicago, which is a big baseball stadium. And uh, to be the first country artist to do, I mean, now it's commonplace for country artists to sell out, you know, football stadiums and baseball stadiums. But back then in 2008, it was uh, not commonplace, and there weren't a lot of country acts that could sell that many tickets. And I think uh, when we played Wrigley Field, we had 48,000 people there, and Vince Gill opened for us, and so did Darius Rucker. And I just remember standing there and taking that view in for a minute going, I may never be back here again, and this is a memory that I want to store away in my memory banks for a lifetime because this is this is extraordinary. And so I... I definitely have those things locked away that have been really special for me and, and moments that I was able to stop and sort of take a deep breath and go, 
this is pretty extraordinary. And I thank God that he's allowed me to to live through something like this. This is amazing. That does sound amazing. I've never been in that situation to quite take it in. I've been in front of audiences on stages where there's, I don't know, you know a thousand people or something like that, but but never. <laughs> 48,000 is extraordinary, absolutely amazing. Yeah. That's very cool. Um, okay, so that's two things. Two things that you're wanting God to work on or you feel you got for this time. What's the third thing? You know, the third thing for me is uh, simply spending some more time with my family. We we traveled so much with the flats and my kids were very, very young and I missed so many birthdays and so many ball games and so many dance recitals. And, you know, they, they certainly understood and were very supportive, but it was the painful part of being in a band like Rascal Flats and traveling uh, like we did. Uh, you certainly pay for it in ways that the public never knows about. So that it does take its toll on you emotionally sometimes. And and one of those things that have been so great for me since 2020 and being home like I have is being able to be a dad, being able to be a normal, go to a basketball game, go to a ball game sort of person, sort of dad. So that has been something that I was very much looking forward to as we had the opportunity to come off the road and slow down a little bit. So how old are your kids? How many have you got? Today is my son's birthday. Oh, he is 11 years old. Happy birthday. And uh, yeah, yeah. Dylan is my son and my daughter Madeline is 12. She'll be 13 in December. So they are still at very, very fun ages. And the last few years have been great. But they're, you know, they're 11, 12, 13 years old. They start turning into their own people. So uh, it's amazing to watch them grow up right before my eyes and turn into people with their own thoughts and their own feelings. And so it's been fun to be around that. Wow. And are they aware that, that their dad's, I'm going to put in quotes, famous, because I think you're famous. Uh, have they got sort of that, does it make a difference to them? Yeah, it doesn't make any difference to them. But, you know, now that they're older and they're starting to go back and listen to some of our music again, they're more aware of the fact that it was bigger than what they realized when they were babies coming to shows and watching it so my son is really really into it and he started to ask me all the questions you know like why don't you do this anymore this is so cool these songs are so great like why don't you guys tour anymore and it's just um it started to get all the questions all the all the complicated you know gosh this would be so cool if you did this again and i love this song and they my son has been playing all of our old records all over the house for about the past year or so so it's been it's been fun for me to watch them rediscover uh us and in, in our music and, and sort of appreciate it in a different way wow that i think it's cool that your son likes it that's that's really neat so yeah. so what's your daughter's name madeline madeline does 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 she like your music or is she somewhere else on music taste she's she's a swifty <laughs> she loves taylor swift yeah she just went to the stadium down here a few weeks ago and she she thought it was very cool that we were the first band ever that uh, took taylor swift down on the road and we were her first tour ever so that's um probably the most important thing that i did cool. is rascal flats in her eyes but she loves the music she thinks it's cool but she's definitely a swifty Okay, well, that, that's fair enough. I, I think lots of people her age probably are, so that's 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 fair. Yeah. Enough. Okay, so um, and what things is God speaking to you about with regards to the things that He needs to work on in your character, the things that He needs to help you to be a great dad? What are the things that God's just 
he's always training us he's always stretching us he's always helping us become more like jesus yeah you know i think the thing for me that i've been learning over the past few years is funny i was just talking to my wife about this the other day it's hard for me because um when the flats tour got canceled in 2020 and everything i had sort of known for the past 20 plus years of my life sort of came to a screeching halt and it was sort of snatched away from me not on our own terms but because of a worldwide pandemic and all the things that came along with that uh, the security of that and and the fear of the unknown of what was next and what that would look like i'm a person that loves to be in control and loves to feel like that i've planned for things to happen and i have a plan in place that makes sense if x y and z happen so the thing that I've had to work on learning the most is that uh, I need to lean on and trust in God and his plan for my life more so than I ever have before. And so it's very hard for a control freak person like myself to let go of all the things and sort of place them in his hands and go, I continue to trust that you know what you're doing with my life better than I do. And I uh, have been, and sometimes I learn this the hard way, but I, I've continually had to check myself and, and he has definitely checked me too through the Holy Spirit and gone, I have a plan for your life. And although you can't see exactly what it is right now, and although you have fear and anxiety and worry, I have never let you down and I'm not about to start right now. And that can be hard for me. And for all of us, I feel like to come to terms with sometimes. So it's a daily process for me to continue to let go, to continue to lean on my faith and my foundation, because the human side of me, the fallen sinful side of me constantly battles the side of me that knows better and knows that God is in control of all of it. And I have no say in it anyway. Even though he gave me free will, I know that he is sovereign and he has me right in the palm of his hand. And that's a hard thing for me to remember when I wake up and I'm anxious and I worry and things happen and I don't know why they happen. And I look around and go, oh, my gosh, uh, this doesn't seem right. This doesn't feel right. Uh, the fear of starting a new company, the anxiety of trying to make money with a new company, uh, all of those things have taught me to lean more into him and less into me. Yeah, wow, real real encouragement, always to make sure, I guess we're aware of God's bigger plans and that he's so faithful in them all and keeping things submitted to him. Um, so it's a, thank you, it's a good reminder in, in all things. Yeah. You mentioned money just then, making money. Now, in the UK, we have an expression, not short of a bob or two. A, a bob being, I guess, in your case, dollars. Uh, so uh, you mentioned money, so I'm gonna ask some questions. I assume, and maybe wrongly, that you're uh, phenomenally rich because the flats were hugely, hugely successful. I, you know, you'd go on tour and, and take uh, $18 million over a summer or something from your tour. I, 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 the figures may be wrong, correct me. Yeah. But, and you also mentioned about philanthropy and, and giving money. How do you um, keep your money god focused well i think um for me it was important I, I and i know the guys felt this way too we were always 
of the mindset that if we were blessed, we needed to pass the blessing on. We needed to give to those who were less fortunate. We needed to give to worthy causes like Vanderbilt Children's Hospital, St. Jude, uh, the American Red Cross, um, the Make-A-Wish Foundation. So uh, a big part of our giving back and our, our passing or paying the blessing forward, so to speak, was, was giving money to causes that we believed in and, and supporting causes that we believed in. So in a lot of ways, we believe that to be our tithing because, you know, uh, we weren't members of churches per se because we were always gone and out of town. So we tithed and gave back in different ways. And I certainly have helped my family through the years, and I know the other guys have too. So I've always, I've always been the kind of person that would, rather give it away than hold on to it when I know that somebody needed it and somebody was going to be blessed by it. It was, uh, you know, I've, it, it's, it's a, it's a big blessing for me to be able to, to help and to give back. So uh, all three of us have sort of held to that philosophy over the years. Um, you know, so something you've done for a long time, it's, it's almost built in as natural. Yes. To you. Okay. Yeah. So, so with, 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 with the change though, from not being, not touring or sort of, you mentioned about having to make sure you, you make money. Yeah. Are you still finding it easy to make sure that you're able to just keep keep the same sort of attitude? Yeah, you know, I mean, it's it's been it's been a different world because without that security of that money coming in every year, uh, I've had to take a look at what I have and make sure that I'm being a good steward of it and making sure that I'm making it last. And I've certainly reinvested into this new season of my career, so I've put a lot of money into starting the label, but. Um, like I said, I know that God is in control of everything. I've got good people around me that sort of save me from myself. If I want to go do something idiotic and buy a new house on the beach somewhere or something, I've got I've got people that give me wise counsel and and people that we that we pay to to help us that are great business managers. But um, it is definitely a new world. It's not like you can just go through the cycle every year of going. Okay, we're going to do another summer tour and we'll we'll make X amount of dollars. So. I'm in a, a new space that I've never been in before. And it's not that I have financial worry, but I do in the back of my mind, you know, feel a responsibility, obviously to my business partner and to myself and what we've invested to make sure that this company is successful. So it's a new sort of pressure. Yeah. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. That, that, that makes, that makes a load of sense to me. Okay. Um, and for your kids, how do you teach them about money and about the fact that, that they are, I'm going to say in world terms, ridiculously wealthy. Yeah. How do they manage to keep a proper balance and be understand about other people's needs? Well, I try to always make sure that they know how fortunate they are. And I also make them earn what they ask for. I don't just give them everything that they ask for. I, I want them to understand the value of a dollar and working for it. And so if they want Robux on PS5, they've got to do chores and they've got to earn the money to buy those Robux. Um, if my daughter wants to buy an outfit at Lululemon, I don't just take her on a shopping spree. I expect that she does something in return to earn that outfit. So I want them to learn the value of hard work and the fact that nothing in this life comes easy because it doesn't. I grew up very, very poor. We grew up in a 900 square foot ranch home in Columbus, Ohio. So um, I never dreamed that I would be in a band like Rascal Flats, let alone uh, have you know, the blessing of the financial reward that that, that that allowed us to have. But I also never took it for granted because I knew it could be gone easily if 
you weren't responsible and you didn't take care of it. And also what people don't see is the hard work and the blood and the sweat equity that you put in to get there. The long nights playing in the bars where we would make, you know, $5 a piece. Uh, it was a long road to get there. So I always had a great appreciation for the fact uh, that it took us such hard work and uh, being in the trenches every day to get to where we were. So I want my kids to never take that for granted. I want them to know what it means to to work hard to achieve something. I think that sounds like great advice. Uh, my son, he's at university at the moment. He's he's 19. Uh, and the other day he said, oh, dad, can I have some money sign? And, and my wife said, I tell you what, go go and do some jobs in the yard, and and then we'll give you the money. So even, even though he's a technical adult, still just making sure it's. Uh, I think it's a wonderful thing to reinforce because, unfortunately, I think we live in a world today where a lot of our young people that are coming up feel very entitled and feel like the world just owes them something, and that's not the way the world works. It's, at least not from my point of view. Um, you you. You have to go out and earn what you get in this world. Nobody is standing around ready to give you a handout. You know, I disagree. I disagree because I'll tell you what, you're looking at me going, you're crazy, Gordon. I went with my son to the bank the other day. I went to think six different banks with him talking about the pros and cons of them because getting a student account for him. And and in two of the banks, they the main thing they're going about the student account is you're going to get a really big overdraft and, and one of the guys says, you're going to need this overdraft because it's party money and it's free. And I'm like, this is a bank trying to teach my son that he should get into debt to have wild parties at uni. Oh and, and I said to, I said to my son, this, you know what, they, they, they want you to get into debt because when you finish university, that whole big package of debt you've got there, which expands, expands each year, they then just whack loads of interest on it and they, and oh, they yeah. shark you at that point. So, um, so I, I was... I, not impressed with that advice from a bank. I won't. I won't name which bank it is, but it was one of the big ones. Anyway, <laughs> can um, you tell me what it rhymes with? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I, just for my, uh, the lawyers. I can hear the lawyers in my ear saying, oh, "Don't say a thing." So anyway, um, so yeah, it was. Um, it was. I'll tell you later. It was a big one, right? Anyway, so um, you mentioned church. You mentioned that when you were flats, you didn't actually have a, a church because you were always out on the road. Now you're not out on the road in the same way. Have you have you found a church to call home yet? We have. Um, we go to a church called Woodmont Christian Church right here in Nashville, Tennessee. The pastor's a dear friend of mine. And um, we actually play golf about every Friday afternoon. So it's given me a chance to really get back into church and really uh, – I didn't realize how much I missed it. Being able to go to a place and worship uh, you know, every week has been a – a wonderful welcome back uh, part of my life that I had missed for very, very many years. So I'm, I'm happy and thrilled to be able to do that again. Okay. So, so you would recommend being in church. It's, it's not that you wanted to not be in church. I feel like you need that support system of being around like-minded believers and like-minded people who are there to, to lift you up and support you and, and, and be your family. You know, I, I, I think it's important. Yeah. Yeah. I would, I would entirely agree personally. So I, I love church. I'm not saying church is perfect. Church can be very complicated, but actually being in church is a place that inspires me to get closer to Jesus. So we've got another track to play. Uh, now it's, it's from Consumed by Fire, who we briefly mentioned earlier. Tell us about, not the track yet, tell us about Consumed by Fire. How did you decide to, to sign them? What, how did you hear of them in the first place? What happened there? 
Uh, they came to Red Street as writers, first and foremost, and they said that they had been a band a few years ago and they really wanted to focus on writing. And they were just wonderfully gifted writers. When I heard what they were writing, I was just blown away by the depth lyrically and by how anointed they really were as songwriters. And as time went on, and um, I believe the end of last year when they lost their father, they felt the calling to go back out and to minister again and to be a band again. And I immediately signed them because, you know, Caleb is such a wonderfully gifted singer. All three of them are such wonderfully gifted writers and they were undeniably anointed. And when I heard the music that they were writing uh, as Consumed by Fire, I knew that I wanted to be um, their label partner and, and be the pipeline to take their music to the world. And And what's the track you've picked to play and why did you pick it? This is called First Things First, and uh, this song did really, really well for them in the States. It peaked at number two, and it was just a, a huge moment for them. And I think the song has a wonderful message and reminds us all that in this busy world and the busy lives that we lead, sometimes uh, it's easy for us to get forget to put the first thing first. And that's, of course, our relationship with Christ and the hope we find in Him. First things first, I seek you. And that was First Things First by Consumed by Fire, chosen very wisely by Jay DeMarcus uh, from Red Street Records. And thank you so much, Jay, for coming on the Arts Interview and sharing your story so honestly. And I tell you what, I really enjoyed meeting you. What a great guy. And I wish every blessing on your record label. So, uh, you know, guys, get over to that website, check it out, see, see what they ask the like, because I tell you what, they're talented people with great, great music. In fact, we're sure to get some more of them onto the Artist Interview in due course. Talking of more of the Artist Interview, though, there is a podcast that you can right now go and find online. Search it up on your favourite podcast platform. Just put in the Artist Interview. It's the one with the red logo. Why not subscribe, share it with a friend, leave it a review, uh, help get the good news and blessing out there. I'm your host, Gordon T. It's been a joy to be with you, as always, and I look forward to being with you on the next episode of the artist interview you've been listening to the artist interview a hope fm podcast find us at hopefm.com forward slash the artist interview